untangling my mask. Good morning to you in the building and uh, also to you online. In fact, just thinking of masks, um, at the beginning of our time together, uh, I'm sitting next to Dave, and, and he said to me, are you, how are you getting on with these times? Are you getting used to your mask? And I almost aggressively said, no, I'm not getting used to this mask. And then seconds later, I reached my coffee cup with my mask on, and so maybe I am getting used to it after all. It was, uh, yeah, a sad moment for me. Uh, but it does feel like a treat to take my mask off, um, and I know these, these, are, these, these are different times uh, for all of us, aren't they? Some will find these times really hard, some will be frustrated, uh, but we're just trying to do what we can to journey with them together. What I am excited about is this uh, season we're in, and the word that I'm going to be looking at this morning and, and sharing with you. This term, I suspect you're aware if you've been traveling with us since September, um, we are looking at the idea of shaping a rule of life. Now, there's nothing uh, religious uh, in this word of uh, rule, not in a religious sense, and, and certainly uh, there's nothing to be kind of imposed on anyone, like, like some rules might be. Uh, but this is an opportunity, this is an encouragement for us to develop those patterns and those rhythms that help us in every dimension of life, that help us keep Jesus in the center uh, of it all. Uh, you might recognize this grid. Andrew has showed this, this grid once or twice. We looked at it at Connect a few weeks ago. Uh, and the idea is, is these are four different areas or four different means uh, of keeping the love of God central. And there's both a receiving element. How do I receive the love of God? And how do I give the love of God? And the four different areas are these. It's actually, we've adapted this from Pete Scazzaro's uh, book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. The four areas are prayer and scripture, rest, relationships, and work and service. And over the term so far, we've, we've looked at those first two, prayer and scripture, and rest. And actually, I think one of the helpful things about seeing it laid out is it helps us remember that we need to keep these in balance. Uh, they're all immensely important for our emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being. Uh, and we don't want to just focus and zoom in on one to the neglect of, of the others. So we've looked at the first two, the top two, and today I'm just going to begin uh, on the subject of relationships. And we'll have a couple of weeks where we're just beginning to scratch the surface of relationships. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, back in the 13th century, he was a philosopher, uh, theologian from Italy. He said this, there is nothing on this earth more to be prized than true friendship. It's quite good, isn't it? There's nothing on this earth more to be prized than, than true friendship. It's quite a profound thought. It might be a bit too profound for this time of, uh, of a Sunday morning. Um, so how about this one said? Let's go back even a few more centuries to Augustine. And he said this, Without friends, no one would choose to live though he had all other goods. Now, Augustine lived in the, sort of the second half of the 400s and the early part of the 500s. Without friends, no one would choose to live, though he had all other goods. Again, it's quite a, a deep and profound and, and kind of challenging statement about friendship. Well, how about something a little bit more uh, up-to-date and from a well-known philosopher um, in, in a modern-day Michael Scott from the U.S. office? He said this... I tried to talk to Toby and be his friend, 
but that is like trying to be friends with an evil snail. So there you have it, Michael. Um, he's nailed it for you. I think I'm on the generational cusp of having watched The Office. Um, I, I'm kind of mid-40s, just getting a bit further past that. I had never seen a show of The Office until lockdown. And we took in a lodger who's in his 20s, and all of a sudden I'm watching The Office. And, and don't tell anyone, but I loved it. Um, so Michael Scott nailed it. Relationships are just so central to every part of our lives. And friendship is, is so powerful. Even the word friend is powerful. I'm sure you are aware of that. In the summer, our, my family were down in Cornwall. Uh, and on one day, we were on um, a beach enjoying the weather. And the bakers were on the same beach. Many of you know the bakers, David and Karis and their multitude of children. They were on the same beach. Well, I was chatting to someone else uh, at the time, and David Baker walks, walks across. And I thought, oh, he might not know this person. I'm going to introduce them. Uh, and so I said, oh, so-and-so, do you know David? David, do you know so-and-so? Um, this is David. He's a colleague of mine. And I, I don't know why I hesitated and, and didn't use the word friend. David just looked at me, and, and he hasn't got over it to this day. Now, David, I, I, I'm aware you're probably watching this online. Um, we have a sozo ministry that can really deal with emotional pain. There's still a kind of a bit of a passive-aggressive thing from time to time. He still looks at me and goes, hi, colleague. Just, just like, you know. The word friend, I've no idea why I didn't use it, but the word friend is a powerful uh, word. Uh, and I think everyone in this room and everyone at home will instinctively know that, that, that sense of joy and peace and the, the kind of a smile when, when we spend time with a friend, someone with whom we can just be ourselves, where, where there's no pretense, where there's, where, there's no, uh, where there's no sense of needing to be anyone other than who we really are. We don't need to perform. We don't need to pose. We can just be us. And I think I would say all of us probably know that joy of real, true, authentic Friendship. I, I, would, I would say I imagine all of us know the pain of when friendships uh, have fallen apart, when friendships have, have ended, for whatever reason that might be. I'm sure at different seasons, and maybe it is for you today, you may know the ache of when there is very little or no friendship in life at the moment, and you know that the ache of loneliness. Um, and, and that's a very real thing. That was a very real thing before uh, the coronavirus um, issue, but perhaps it's been intensified in many ways. Friendship is so important. Books and books and books have been written about friendship. Bookshops are full of them. Movies and novels. I, I guess friendship is the glue that, that holds the whole plot together, blink, brings the plot uh, alive. And, and we all know instinctively it's true. We've got a couple of Sundays. Do you think in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we can nail friendship once and for all? <laughs> Certainly not. We're not going to be able to do an exhaustive treatment. But what we can do is we can come to God and just say, Lord, teach us what you want us to know today, what you want us to begin to start thinking through and reflecting on. And if you have a Bible, I'd love you to open John's Gospel. John's Gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the last of our four Gospels, and John chapter 15. Uh, and it might really help you uh, to have a Bible open. We'll put the particular verses on the screen, uh, but 
um, we will be kind of just glancing forward and back as well to get the context. So I'd love to read from John chapter 15, and I'm going to pick it up at verse 12. And Jesus is chatting to his disciples, and he says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. This might be a very familiar passage. I think it's one of the most beautiful passages, one of the most profound passages in the whole Bible. I actually think it's important that we see the context of this passage. So sometimes um, when you sort of open it up, I've got a, one of the red-letter version Bibles. I don't know why. It's just the one that, that came. And, and it shows the words of Jesus uh, in, printed in red. Um, and maybe it's just helpful just to spot. Um, and if you look at John um, 15, where this comes from, you can just see there's just masses and masses of red ink. This is a section in John's Gospel where Jesus is speaking a lot. Sometimes it's called the farewell discourse. And it takes place on the night of the Last Supper. It's just before Jesus himself is arrested. Now see if you can get into the story for a moment. These guys have been with Jesus for three years now. They, they've got a sense that it's almost over. The atmosphere in Jerusalem is electric, it's charged, there are tensions that are high. The Romans seem on edge and seem uncomfortable as Jerusalem is filling up for, uh, with Jews coming in from across the country, filling Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Just a few days before Jesus said these words, there was an extraordinary moment where he walked into Jerusalem with his disciples and crowds emerged and gathered and spontaneously started singing and cheering and tearing off branches of the trees and waving them in the air, taking off their cloaks and, and making a kind of a makeshift red carpet for him and shouting out Hosanna as Jesus entered Jerusalem. Somehow Jesus is distracted, uneasy, solemn perhaps, and he's speaking of his death around this time. And, and it kind of had an imminent feel to it. And then this night, when Jesus said these words, this night there was this strange foot-washing spectacle that he did with his guys just before supper began. And Jesus talked, and he talked, and he talked. The disciples somehow knew not to interrupt too much, not to kind of say their things. Normally they would be kind of really interacting. But Jesus had a lot to say, and they somehow knew it. And so they listened. And in this farewell speech, Jesus tells them what they needed to know to remain connected with him when he was no longer physically present. It's an extraordinary part of the Bible. Now, when I'm kind of thinking of that kind of context and thinking of the emotions that the disciples maybe were going through, it makes me want to read the whole section afresh because we also live in a time where Jesus is not physically present with us. If you can, have a little look at chapters 14 and 16. So we're in chapter 15. If you looked before at 14 
and after at 16, you'll see they're significantly about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the advocate, the helper, the counselor. And Jesus is saying, I have to go. I'm going to have to leave you. But the Father is going to send you the Spirit to be with you and to be in you. And then sandwiched right between those two significant things about the Holy Spirit is this section about the vine. Jesus gives that image, the vine and the branches. And he's saying, we've got to abide, live, connected to him. And this is where the Spirit comes in. He brings that alive. It's like the lifeblood coming into us, his very presence in us. So this is the context where he then says to them, you are my friends. You are my friends. I'm about to leave but you are my friends. It is actually so powerful. It's a declaration of of not just a a, a temporary, momentary thing, but it's a declaration of a lifelong, eternal, intimate relationship. And it was offered to them and it's offered to us today. We are his friends. Lifelong, eternal, intimate it's very, very special. I'd love just to pick out two things from those few verses. There's a phrase in there, the first thing, which is laying down our life. You know how Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then he describes it. Greater love, verse 13, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So Jesus is about to describe this in a literal way. That the very next day, He's going to lay down his life as the Romans execute him. Now, now not many of us are going to have to do that in the physical, in the literal way. But there's something still in here for us because, I don't know, I find these words, they sting a bit, don't you? They slightly, where am I prepared to lay down my life for anyone else? What am I prepared to do for my friends? How much inconvenience am I Willing to endure for other people? What cost am I happy with for friendship? Am I prepared to lay something down? To give something up for someone else? Maybe for them to breathe. Maybe for them to thrive. Now, now hear, hear me clearly. I am definitely not advocating that we don't live with wise, healthy boundaries that, that keep us well, but I don't believe for a minute Jesus and the Scriptures are saying, throw out all boundaries and just be a doormat. I don't think he's saying that at all. But actually, the sting of these words, I want the sting, because it needs to waken me up from my self-orientated slumber. And so much of this life is just me, me, me. Our Western culture, it's the most me-centered, self-absorbed society in history, surely, me, me, me. Actually, rewind to the beginning of March this year, the beginning of the March lockdown. Actually, I think it was really good for our nation. It, it kind of forced us to stop things. It forced us to sacrifice in some perhaps small way. We were jolted into thinking about others, perhaps for a change. Now, I'm, I'm a bit bored of it now. Um, I still recognize there's necessity but I want things to go back to normal where I can put me first again, where I can do what I want, when I want it, with whom I want to do it with. Me, me, me. I think Paul picks this up when he writes to the Philippians, when he says, 
in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, I'm not very good at this. In fact, I'm not very good at this generally, thinking about other people, but I'm not very good at it, good at it in those relationships that matter most. My wife and kids, for example. Now, Tim Keller says, he says, your selfishness is the biggest challenge to your marriage. Your selfishness is the biggest challenge to your marriage. I, I wanted him to say her selfishness is the biggest challenge to your marriage. <laughs> but he doesn't. And he's right. It's mine. Oh, Lord, teach us. Teach us, Lord, what it means to love others as you have loved us. What it means to lay our lives down a bit. Well, that was the first thing, to lay our lives down. The second, I'm only going to touch on it. It's about openness. It's a real gem. It's about openness and self-disclosure and about vulnerability. And it's the second part of our little passage where it says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father I have made known to you. So friendship, he tells us, includes being open with our lives, our hopes, our desires, our weaknesses, our failings even. Everything I learned from my Father I've, I've made known to you. It's powerful. So powerful. So challenging. And I'm not going to dwell on that. Perhaps you might want to unpack that a bit in life groups in the coming week or with your households or something. But I do want to begin to wrap up and I just want to just remind us that the Bible is so full of, of challenge and encouragement and guidance on all things to do with relationships. It's like the ultimate relationship manual. And when we look at the life of Jesus, uh, we can just see how he just lives it out. Uh, and when we just study him, just live it out. In fact, have you come across the... Um, uh, the TV series called The Chosen. A number of people have mentioned it. It's, uh, it's a free TV series. There's an app about it. It is absolutely brilliant. You can watch it just through the internet or you can download the app. Uh, and it is absolutely brilliant. Only the first season is out so far. Uh, and the second season is coming. And what they do is they do an extraordinary job of, of kind of sharing the heart of the person of Jesus. He's kind and gentle, yet self-assured. He's tough with the religious leaders and the hypocrites, but so full of grace to those who have messed up. And it is just amazing. I want to show you six uh, still images taken, captured from that series. Um, and because they're just beautiful pictures, and they just show something of the character uh, of Jesus. The first one is Jesus with children. Some of you who've seen it would be like, oh yeah, I remember that scene. Uh, and children were just ignored pretty much. They were just like, oh, irritating, keep away. And Jesus was like, no, I love you. And I give you dignity and value. Jesus with the sick. This particular next scene is where he's, he's, um, he heals the leper. It's, it's that moment from the Gospels. And, and again, when people are like, I don't want to spend any time with that person, Jesus is like, I know you. And love you. Sometimes we feel like people don't want to know us. People don't want to spend time with us. It's like we have some kind of leprosy 
But Jesus is like, I know you. I love you. I'm not rejecting you. I'll come towards you. It's so beautiful. The next one is Jesus and his mother. Uh, and there's a beautiful moment there. You can just see uh, the, sort of the smile on his face. There was a, you follow that through the Gospels and just see the relationships. Relationships matter so much. There's, the next one is with him and Nicodemus. Uh, and Nicodemus is one of the, the, the ruling Jewish uh, leaders. Uh, and he's exploring faith. He's asking difficulties. And, and, and Jesus is strong and yet with so much love. It just pours through. My favorite is the next one, the woman at the well. And actually, I wrote to uh, the Chosen through their contact page this week saying, can I, can I show this section uh, where Jesus was at the well uh, on, on a Sunday in our church? And they actually wrote back saying, yes, go for it. But then our live stream, we wouldn't be able to get it through the kind of the copyright possibilities and they'd shut it all down. But I'd love you. Go and even YouTube it. It's on YouTube. There's an eight-minute section and it is so, so beautiful. Every time I watch this section, I'm just in tears. Uh, as Jesus is like, oh, I'll just let you, let you watch it. Um, and Jesus with his disciples, one of the greatest pictures. That that's, uh, is Peter, uh, who's just laughing and hugging him on the way. There could be so many more. The Gospels have somewhere around 40 uh, interactions that it records of Jesus' life uh, and his conversations uh, with people. Now, now, we've talked about this idea, the, the rule of, of, of life, and how Jesus is the ultimate example, the ultimate model. And we saw that with his prayer life and, and his use of the Bible. We saw that with his pattern where he, he rested and he took Sabbath. Uh, but it's also so real in the whole area of, of relationships. And I, I guess today we're inviting each other to just take a moment to just reflect on the different relationships that we already have and ask some big questions. Which are those relationships that are most important to you? Which are the relationships that, that bring most joy and most life in your life? Which are the ones that are hard work? Because there are some that are hard work. Which are the ones that need attention today, this coming week perhaps? Do we have relationships that help us receive the love of God? And are there relationships where we can help share the love of God? Are some of my relationships suffering because I haven't got time for them and other things in life are out of balance? We're going to pause it there. There's so much to talk about in relationships. Um, but I'd love us to have a, a moment of, of prayer.